Happy Tuesday and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Into the Night Minute, a show where each and every week teams of podcasters who do movies by minutes shows uh, come back to talk about the 1985 John Landis action comedy, Into the Night. I'm your host this week, Jim O'Kane, this time with my guest host, the captain herself, the lovely woman who who has a last name that sounds a lot like the protagonist, Nancy O'Kane. Hi, everybody. I'm your substitute teacher for this episode, so sit down, take out your books, and turn to Chapter 97, and we'll be ready to start. Yes, okay. (laughs) And we are looking at, oh gosh, they're finally finishing this scene, this scene that's been going on for almost two weeks where Ed is talking to Shaheen about what to do and where the money should be. Uh, we start with a, a loud thump as $25,000 in hundreds uh, hits the brass table. We crawl out of the scene, oh, still alive. And the minute ends with a, a call for Yoda. We have uh, <laughs> we have uh, Frank Oz being paged by his real uh, last name, Oskowitz, uh, over the, uh, the speakers at LAX. Yeah. Yes, and that's that's another example of the things I don't really care for about this movie. There's there's too many inside jokes and things that you know people in the industry would know and laugh at, but the average audience would say what, and that that's just an example of it. It's uh, hubris, I think, would be the Greek term. So. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> No, speaking of Greeks, yes, I know you think this scene went on too long, but it's Uh, one of my favorites in the movie because Irini Pappas is one of my favorite actresses, and I was glad to see her again in this film. She is great, and it's amazing how timeless she is. I mean, she really doesn't look that much different than when she was... uh shooting Nazis in uh, Guns in Navarone 30 years oh, okay. earlier. You, you think of her shooting Nazis. I think of her as killing her husband, Agamemnon. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, don't, cro- don't cross a rainy. That's the basic yes, rule in any, any Pappas movie. <laughs> and it, it carries through here, so she's it, perfect for it. It does. She, she's always got that same look on her face. Like, no matter what she's saying, no matter who she's speaking to, she's plotting revenge. Yes. Yeah, whatever, whatever happens, if she's, if she's taken an interest in you, you're in trouble. <laughs> So uh, so here we are looking at uh, uh, looking at the twenty five thousand dollars that's just hit the uh, you know uh, Ed's hit the jackpot here, and I you know it, it's still it's it, it is an oddball plot thing I, I don't understand I mean Jack Caper told Diana that she has to negotiate so that uh, uh, Shaheen feels that she's won something even if it's just paying twenty five thousand dollars for. The, literally the crown jewels of Iran. Uh, but it just doesn't make sense that he would, like she said, it doesn't make sense that he'd, he'd do it for half a 25 grand just to, to put everybody in danger. Exactly. And but, his whole his whole character in this movie doesn't strike me as true. I mean, even, even as movie characters go, he's just a regular guy. And all of a sudden, he's very calmly involved in this plot where people are getting killed left and right. And his attitude is like, all right, well... Um, what should I do next? It, it's not—it's not believable at well, all. I don't, I don't know. That—that's that, true in a lot of Hitchcock movies. You know, like The Man Who Knew Too Much or North by Northwest. All of those things are just guys that find themselves a fish out of water with lots of intrigue, and that makes for—that makes for good drama. But I don't see—I don't see Ed Oaken as the uh, the protagonist. He's just a—he's literally sleepwalking through this movie. He's exactly. Just a, an insomnia victim that just doesn't go across very well. 
Um, no, Jimmy but, Stewart could have done it better. Speaking yeah, of Hitchcock yeah. movies, I could see. Yeah, how would you recast this? Let's say you let's say you move this back to 1950. Would you just take uh, Doris Day as uh, as Diana? I don't. I wouldn't picture Doris Day as Diana. No, I wouldn't. You know, my opinion of Doris Day, I don't really care for any of her films. Um, I don't know. Jimmy Stewart was just off the top of my head, but yes, he would have been perfect for Ed's part. Yeah, um, or, or Cary Grant. I could see. Yeah, but Jimmy Stewart, I could see him just kind of moping through this. Um, so Jimmy Stewart, Grace. No, Grace Kelly wouldn't have worked. Um, no. Uh, hmm. Uh, Joan Crawford? No. No. We probably should have talked Barbara, about this before yeah. we started recording. No, these, these are fine. <laughs> this, it's always interesting because everybody else's wheels are turning. Okay, you're sitting in around 1950. Barbara Stanwyck? Would Barbara Stanwyck be okay? Mm. Barbara Stanwyck would be Shaheen. Yeah, that yeah, would work. she'd be the bad gal in that. Um... Veronica Lake? No, I don't. I, I don't get the feeling that Veronica Lake would be how the werewolf. How about um, uh, Bacall? Oh, maybe. Yeah. Okay. You have Jimmy Stewart, mm. Lauren Bacall. All right. <laughs> and uh, and Barbara Stanwyck as Shaheen. And oh gosh, all the people. I mean, think about all the cameos you could have. <laughs> Basically, everybody from the Abbott and Costello movie. Could show yeah, but, up in this but movie. back in those days, wouldn't have had to be somebody from the same studio. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. Well, they don't have to be Universal, so mm-hmm. that wouldn't be too hard. Okay. Um, and Stuart was on loan from, to Universal easily. Um, you'd have to borrow a lot of Warner Brother people. This 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 feels more <laughs> like a Warner Brothers movie. There's a lot of, you know, you could see Bogart or George Raft or something like that or um, Garfield. Ooh, no. Hmm. Ooh. Can you imagine Lauren Bacall snuggling up to a, uh, oh, no, that wouldn't work at all. Sydney Greenstreet? <laughs> Honey, in this movie, she had to snuggle up to Richard Farnsworth, which was creepy oh, enough. You would snuggle up to Richard Farnsworth? Well, I would, nice but guy. only because he was in Anne of Green Gables, and that's a <laughs> totally different Richard Farnsworth character. Uh, see, I was thinking he was... He would have, he, I would have had him in a baseball uniform. He was, the, he was the natural for the natural. So You're determined to make me talk about every movie I love, that I don't like, aren't you? I can't. The oldest, <laughs> see, I still, I still love you, honey, but I just don't understand why you don't like the natural. That's one of the greatest movies ever made. We can, he, we can he have a, a discussion in another movie. He had internal injuries that were bleeding through his baseball uniform? Yeah, but he, <laughs> he still struggled through after hitting that home run. Yeah, boom. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to do anything after that. It was the uh, Read the book. Read the original oh. ending. Yeah, well, if you want to do that, you can go back and read the original ending to Little Mermaid and tell me if you like that one better. <laughs> yes, uh. like walking on broken glass, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, dear. But, okay, so so this maybe that's the biggest problem with this movie. Maybe Into the Night should have been made in 1985. Maybe it should have been made in 1955 or 45. They wouldn't have understood it. They would, mm. they would have said, who is this man? How did he get involved in this plot? I, I like your analogy to Hitchcock films, but Hitchcock, didn't fill his movies with comedy or attempts at comedy. Yes, he did. Of course mm. he did. When when you're watching Psycho and you're watching Anthony Perkins waiting for the uh, the car to sink under the waves and it's, it stops. Oh, and then it pops. Yeah. And ev- everybody right. leans forward. That's comedy right okay, there. Okay, well, let's, let's put it a different way then. Hitchcock did comedy way better than John Landis does in his... Uh, thriller films yeah, he's not he's not definitely landis is landis is adequate but he's not the master he's a good he really he's good with a good script and mm. i think he was yeah, i mean if you look at animal house he knew how to handle a very weird property like animal house he okay. did american werewolf in london he did a good job but it's this one he's just he needed it's, somebody he needed somebody on his shoulder going up oh, buddy this is not how you tell a story yeah it's it's all over the place and it doesn't it never coalesces into just one thing 
Is this you always have a theory about no likable characters? Are there no mm. likable characters in this movie? I keep trying to like Jeff Goldblum, but mm. that's about it. Is it his fault he's in this situation? No, but the the whole part is badly written. I know. Let's have a regular guy, except he's got insomnia, so he's always tired, and his wife's cheating on him, and we'll put him in unexpectedly with a bunch of jewel thieves. It's it's just too much of a stretch. Okay. It's a, but you, you did a really good elevator pitch there for the movie. <laughs> and and that's what Landis in interviews has said, that he liked the idea of insomnia, that you're you always get that weird feeling when you can't sleep. I have no problem with that. I always sleep. So it's... yeah, that's it too. Maybe that's the problem. Neither you nor I have any problem with insomnia. Maybe we're... we don't get the movie quite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're we're expert sleepers. It's mm-hmm. not a it's not a thing that that goes. But I can understand that feeling of I, I can understand the feeling of wanting to go to sleep. So maybe <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to figure it as as that. Um... Oh, like when you take me to midnight shows of Marvel comics movies. <laughs> Well, now, now all the midnight shows are at 6 p.m. So I, I, they, even even uh, the, the studios have learned from learned from our own experience. You're going to do better at, at six o'clock than at midnight. Um, but yeah, it's a I don't know. I still love this movie. I know I know you don't like it, and I've heard from ha- having having this uh, show out there. A lot of people talk about the movie now, and there's there are a lot of people who don't like it. Tom Taylor, for one, does not like this film. Huh. And uh, does he uh, dislike it for the same reasons I do or for different reasons? Um, I was never really clear. He just felt that I, I, the way he was putting it was the story construction wasn't good for him. And he didn't like he he didn't find a way into the character. The character arc isn't very clear. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. And, uh, and again, there's just too many. This is like the, you know, the, the special edition, the special edition Lucas movies where. You're watching the film, and he just keeps waving all this stuff in front of you on the screen. It's like, hey, look at these guys. Hey, look at this cameo. Hey, look at this, and what you mm-hmm. know. And it's like, let's just keep telling this story. And at some points, the movie seems really frantic, where there's all this kind of action going on and a lot of dialogue. Yep. But then you have a scene like this, this massive exposition scene that we're dragging ourselves out of, where he's been sitting chatting with Arani Pappas for no reason, really. I mean, you're, they're showing simultaneous events happening where. Um, Diana's hiding the jewels and getting to the airport while uh, while Ed is chatting with uh, with Shaheen, and it just it, it didn't need to go on for ten episodes or ten ten minutes of this. Mm, I suppose that is a little long. That's um speaking of Diana, that's another weak point I think in the movie is we never get a sense of who her character was. We is she the sweet ingenue who just accidentally fell into trouble or is she a calculated planner who's taking advantage of everyone around her and is she a mastermind criminal because she sure doesn't act very smart for one you can't get a sense of which of those character types she's supposed to be yeah she always seems to pick the wrong way and she doesn't she she trusts the wrong people and she always picks the like the wrong decision as we're going to see later on this week when she uh tips her hand too early but i'll leave that for a for another guest mm-hmm. but the fact that she she thinks that she's solving things if she offers everything that she has quickly and she you know she lost a uh, hasi that way mm-hmm. and uh she wasn't paying attention that this this was a deadly game that she was playing yeah and as the movie goes on and on you think wow this girl apparently has made a lot of bad choices in the past and it's all catching up with her but we don't clearly understand what the bad choices were or why she made them just that it's like we've picked up her story in the middle chapters yeah and i i don't i mean like 
were presented. It, there's some weird presentations here, and this is all before, um, you know, all the Me Too movement and things like that. But the people that are the good guys in this are really bad people. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the people like uh, uh, Richard Farnsworth character, Jack Caper, he's talking, you know, he's bad mouthing his wife and he's talking about how she's come back to take care of him now that, you know, now that it looks like she's going to be in the will and stuff. But he's been cheating on her. Like she said, there's been a dozen before you. He's a serial philanderer. But that was a traditional character in the 80s and earlier movies. It was, there were always the men fooled around and the women turned a blind eye to it. And if you were lucky, you found yourself a rich old man with a mean wife. And it's awful now looking back at it. But that, this may have been one of the last movies to feature that as some kind of a plot because I think people were beginning to catch on that we shouldn't make him a lovable character, you know? Yeah, yeah. And and Diana, you know, Diana says earlier in the movie that she's one of the bad guys, and she really is. I mean, she's she's cheating with this guy, and she knows he's married, and he's basically her sugar daddy. She's been living – what you can tell is she got a car from him. She's been living mm-hmm. off of him. And it's like it's not a nice way to live. What does yeah. you know? What does her family think about it? her? Brother thinks she's a, you know, she's a, a mooch, and she's mooched off of her brother. And, and again, back to things that don't fit in this movie. Why did they have to make her brother such a cartoonish character? If he had been just a regular person, his his part of the plot would have worked just as well. But no, yeah. he had to be an Elvis impersonator. But it, I mean, I think that again is part of the LA scene. Back in the eighties, mm. there were there were people. It, it, all this movie is is about people who aren't what they pretend to be. You know, Ed Ed pretends to be some somebody else. He pretends to be a mastermind when he's mm. talking to Shaheen about what the what the plan is for things. And and you know, we see her you know, Catherine Harold's character um, Chrissy. Chrissy is an actress, and her whole life is a fake. Mm-hmm. And uh, her. Her uh, boyfriend slash boss, uh, Bud, he uh, he's pretending to be very friendly with Diana and things when he's with Chrissy. But the minute he gets out of there, when they go to use the phone, yeah, uh, he sends his flunky over to chase them out of his office because he doesn't want them on the set. So it's like it's multiple people being fake. Yeah, you're right. Fakery is a, an ongoing theme throughout most of the movie. Yeah, now I'm just trying to figure out if there's anybody else that's real in the movie. Because Dan Aykroyd talks about moving to, uh, going to Las Vegas and meeting a girl who could pretend you're mm-hmm. everybody's fantasy. Mm-hmm. Ed is Ed is kind of uh, an honest person through most of it. Although he knows his wife is cheating on him when she's sitting there eating ice cream and telling him how good the ice cream, you know, the Haagen Dazs is, and he doesn't say anything to her uh, about their marital situation. Yeah, his his whole life seems to be just letting things happen to him yeah and and that's that's just another thing like like we say about our dog bonnie who (laughs) this is my life now that's that's jeff goldblum's life his phrase throughout the whole movie well this is my life now i'm involved in this you know diamond caper or this is my life now someone's trying to kill me (laughs) yeah and it just it just end 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 he's the audience but you know he is our you know the organizing sensibility in this film is Ed Oaken, and we're supposed to identify him and uh, identify with him. And I think I don't want to be him. I don't think anybody exactly. wants to be him. You know, it's. Uh, and if we were in that situation, we would change it dramatically. You know, the movie wouldn't exist if a regular person were in that situation because they would have meant it when they said, "I'm getting out of this car now. I want nothing more to do with you, crazy lady." 
Yeah, and I think it would have stopped it back at the uh, the parking garage when mm-hmm. he, he pulls up to an LAPD officer and says, "Hey, this woman's being chased by guys with guns." Yeah, that's when you, <laughs> that's where that you know let me off here and now. Yep, here's your sign. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Here's your sign. This woman in your car is being chased by men with guns. Get away from her. <laughs> but, but then... Then it'll know. be a 30-minute movie, so... <laughs> oh, well. You gotta, tr- you gotta trust Landis. And he did make a movie, and they did like let him make movies after this, so... Mm-hmm. And he made some good ones. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll just we'll just let it be be with that. Um, again, final thoughts about the film. Did you... What's, are there any big puzzles that's left with you? In this? Um, there aren't really, and I will say, you know, I, I criticize parts of it, and I have some major criticisms for parts of it, but it kept me watching through the entire film. It kept me entertained, which is the purpose of a movie. So I give it a solid five or six. <laughs> if, uh, yeah, if there was nothing else on TV, you might watch this. I might, or if I came across it while I was flipping channels, I would stop and watch for at least a little while. Okay. What what would be the like it's like there's things that you would just you wouldn't watch. You wouldn't watch um I don't know movies that you wouldn't watch. What is a movie that you wouldn't watch again? Uh I f- <laughs> again, the movies that you love that I don't care for at all. I can't remember ever stopping to watch a John Wayne movie. Really not even the shootest? Wow. You keep saying that. No, that's one of my least favorite of his films. Wow, wow. I don't again, like movies that try and manipulate the viewer. Well, all movies manipulate viewers. Well, Come on. All right. I don't like movies that are obvious about how badly they're trying <laughs> to manipulate you. So, yeah, or anything with a John Williams score, I understand. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah, John Williams, like. for that, they don't need the director. They don't need the actors because John Williams will tell you how you're being manipulated. <laughs> now yeah. be happy. Now be sad. Now be excited. <sighs> See, this, and we're still married. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, we always have something to talk about. One That's of us true. will just name a movie, I, and the other one gets you know, going. <laughs> if, if I wanted to agree with people, I'd be living alone. So, uh, <laughs> no, it, it, but yeah, I think I don't know. I, I, I don't know where this movie fits in the uh, thing that uh, I'm, I'm trying to decide if I'd watch a new episode of Match Game over this. <laughs> Probably, I'd watch the movie instead of Match Game. I think this is more entertaining than Match Game. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, and that's uh, saying a lot, folks, because this man loves his old TV quiz I love, shows. I love old TV quiz shows. It's very uh, upsetting. <laughs> Just have to fill in the blanks. I don't uh, know what he did before they invented the game show network. <laughs> you mean I have gotta watch, wait for the next day until a game <laughs> show comes up? Yeah. So anyway, welcome back to, to another Geezer Network uh, episode. But uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you very much for being on on the show and staying married to me we'll, we'll have you on another time when uh, another time when you need a substitute yes <laughs> when nobody else showed up you're 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 better than match game too <laughs> thanks honey you're welcome sweetie <laughs> uh for folks who would like to hear previous episodes uh we have 96 of them now already already in the can as it were and this one coming up almost done so check us out on the main site nightminute.com or you can check us on any of the uh, streaming services like uh, apple podcasts or google play or spotify uh, you go out there and click subscribe and you can get us delivered hot and fresh every morning monday through friday if you'd like to talk back with us on social media love hearing from you on social media check us out on uh, Facebook at the King Lives Listeners Limo or at uh, Twitter on Night Minute. And uh, we'll be back here tomorrow, so please uh, check out. I'm not sure who's going to be on. Uh, it won't be my wife because she's she's done a yeoman's work, as it were, uh, getting getting these two episodes together. We'll have somebody new probably, or maybe just me. Well, thank you, dear, and thank you for inviting me on the show. And for everybody else, class dismissed. Do we thank you or what? 
I'd say I fall in the or what category. 